Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. What a weekend of football. I'm going to break down some of the biggest highlights from week two so far. Some epic collapses, some good comebacks, and just great games in general. Then I'm going to break down the Lions and Packers and see if Aaron Rodgers and his team can rebound Monday night football. Tonight, I'm going to recap some of the college football games as well. React to the new AP poll was out and give you my top five teams in college and some other bold predictions moving forward. And then finish up uh, with a little Yankees talk as well because it looks like that prediction might be right. Yes, there's a few weeks left, but the prediction I made about a month ago looks like I'm still in the clear. But first off, week two, NFL. I'm going to start with the biggest game, uh, which was the Sunday night game last night between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens won 36-35. to One-point game. And this is very upsetting to me. Enjoying watching the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes play the great pass and run by Travis Kelsey, the throw to DeMarcus Robinson. I loved it all. I have to give Baltimore some credit because last week, after they lost to the Raiders Monday night, I said it was over for them. I said they're getting smoked by the Chiefs. No which way about it. Then they're going to face a tough Broncos team, a Chargers team. They have their tough division as well. So I rode off. The Baltimore Ravens still said they barely make it as a seventh spot. But I said no way will they beat the Chiefs at all. They're starting 0-2. And I was wrong. I'll admit that. I do have some complaints, though, on both sides of the ball. First is... And I'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs. They had a great start uh, to this game. Pick six to start off. A great play uh, by Patrick Mahomes. Great pass to Demarcus Robinson to make it 14-7. to The Ravens still kept it within reach. But they, in the third quarter, they were 28-17. Great pass by Patrick Mahomes, 40-yarder. To put them up by 11, and then they were up by 11 again, and that was the last time they scored was the third quarter. But Patrick Mahomes threw a terrible, 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 just terrible interception uh, in the second half when they were up. Uh, 35 uh, to 24, and that is not the play you want Patrick Mahomes to making. It was very eerily similar to what happened in the Super Bowl last year where he was trying to make these ridiculous throws. He's getting tackled, should have taken the sack. Instead, he just throws a wayward pass, uh, falling down, and it is intercepted. Not a play I want to see Patrick Mahomes make at that point in the game. Uh, Why? Because they're up by 11 points. You don't need to be a hero when you're up by 11 points. When you're down by 11, they need a hero. But when you're up by 11, you do not need that. Because then you give it to them working on a shorter field. They only need 56 yards and right away... Lamar Jackson with a tremendous run and then a pass to Sammy Watkins and then another run and three, uh, four plays later, uh, or five plays later, it's a touchdown. So Patrick Mahomes did that, which was a huge turn of events. That's not something you can do if you're Patrick Mahomes. You got to take better care of the football. I have to say that. Then, you know, you punt next time out. 
but Baltimore gets a touchdown again. Uh, however, you don't give it two points. So if I fail the two point twice, when it could be 38 to 35, but two failed points make it 36 35, uh, give Patrick Mahomes plenty of time. I believe they have around three minutes left on the clock and basically two plays are already in field goal range and they're playing for the field goal after that, after a nice pass to Travis Kelsey. Then you hand it off to Clyde Edwards O'Leary, and what does he do with it? Fumbles the ball. Now, right there on the spot, I called for Clyde Edwards to get cut, fired, get him out of there, not deserving to be a running back on the team, of course. Uh, that was just my first reaction because I was very upset uh, at that. I know Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes supported him. I just do not like that they handed it off there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not a good running back to me. I'm sorry, not top 10, not top 15. There's a lot of other guys I'd rather have at running back. And he had one good game last year as a rookie. That was the first game of the season. Other than that, he hasn't been that special. He's not a game changer. He's not a threat. I would rather have Patrick Mahomes, you know, the play before when it was just a one-yard pass to Kelsey and make it work and get some yards. I would rather do that, uh, pass it to Kelsey or have a jet sweep or a jet toss or whatever to Tyreek Hill and let him make a play and gain some yards rather than Clyde Edwards Alaire. And I know that the Kansas City Chiefs want to balance the pass and the run, but their running game is just not that good. He is not a good running back. They only had 62 Rushing yards on 18 attempts, 3.4, not good. Uh, whereas passing yards, they had 343 average, the first down per pass. So why not stick with what works? I know you want to balance a run, but you just don't have a running back or offensive line that can do that. They just don't. And watching the Chiefs was very frustrating, trying to do things that they shouldn't be doing like running the football, it's not good. What else is not good? This defense is not good. Now, Tyron Matthew, love Tyron Matthew, great safety, uh, made a couple big plays, uh, two interceptions last night in his return, huge. To me, best one of the best playmakers on the defensive side in the NFL. But this defense, other than that, is not good. Chris Jones can pass rush, but other than that, they cannot stop a run or really man cover to save their lives. It was terrible last night. The Baltimore Ravens had more rushing yards than passing yards. They gashed the Chiefs. 251 rushing yards, and then they had 230 Yards, they almost had a total of 500 yards on the Kansas City Chiefs. This Chiefs defense is not good. Their rushing defense and their pass defense, not good. Now, they can get to the quarterback when they allow him to drop back for a bit. But with Lamar last night, they had a tough time doing it uh, because he can move around and scramble, which is why, you know, there was only... One sack and very, very bad game from his Chiefs defense. This team, to me, is looking like the 2018 Chiefs uh, to 2019 Chiefs. Great offense, potent. This offense will be great every year. But this defense, to me, took a step back. Then it was, you know, even the past two years where they were a Super Bowl team. This defense does not look good. It's reminiscent of that time, giving up a lot of points. This game is not what I want to see the Kansas City Chiefs doing. Last week, they gave up 29. This week, they gave up 36. This defense is not good. They have a lot to figure out. Uh, Don't like that at all. That's I'm very concerned about the Chiefs' defense moving forward.
Now the Ravens. I said Lamar had to be special to beat Patrick Mahomes. He had to be the hero. He was the hero last night, uh, celebrated prematurely, but in the end it worked out after that 36-30 to touchdown. They were the better team rushing. They had a game plan. They stuck to it, and they knew that Kansas City would not be able to stop them. And that was the case all night long. The Kansas City defense could not stop Lamar Jackson running the football. And that was the difference right there. But they were sloppy. They did have eight penalties. You don't want to do that much. And also their defense, again, is another defense that's suspect. They do have a decent amount of injuries, but last week to the Raiders, 33 points. Much better offense this week, 35 points. Now, uh, we'll see if they don't face, you know, great offenses the next couple weeks, uh, but they do face better defenses, so how do they handle that? But I'll give props to Lamar Jackson for winning this game in which I thought he had no chance. It's been his kryptonite. Hasn't won a game against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yesterday was his first one. I'll blame the Chiefs. I'll blame the uh, play calling on Andy Reid. Blame Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But this is a game that they should have won, had the opportunities to win, and they did not convert on their chances. Simple as that. That's why Baltimore won this game. Very disappointed in the Chiefs. What else happened yesterday? Well, Tom Brady, you know, opened up with a, you know, sack fumble. But other than that, Tom Brady was great. Torched the Falcons for five touchdowns. Uh, They're on a 10-game winning streak. Nine straight games of 30-plus points. Tom Brady's leading the league in touchdown passes at nine. Tom Brady is in rare form right now. It's only two games into the season. They say they can still get better. I agree. They will have to be better to beat the Rams next week, and which I think will be you know, their toughest test of the season. I think that will be their toughest test. But to me, I'm not worried about this offense. Not one bit. Tom Brady, as I said, looked brilliant yesterday. Mike Evans got it going a week after he didn't look engaged against the Dallas Cowboys. He was back in the fold. Chris Godwin back in the fold. That Gronkowski connection is special, so his offense looked good. However, this defense did not look good. The Falcons had more yards than them, and it was mostly all passing yards. This is the theme that happened last year, and it's looking like a recurring theme to start the season where this rush defense is good, only allowed 55 yards on the ground, compared to 293 through the air. I know Sean Murphy bunting is gone. Then, uh, Carlton Davis with his hamstring as well. So they were very limited yesterday. But that is something I'm concerned about moving forward if they have key injuries in their secondary. Mike Edwards with two pick sixes to kind of seal the game away there at the end, which is great morale for the secondary moving forward. But the secondary will be tested next week against the Buccaneer, I mean against the Rams and their attack with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Matthew Stafford. So this begs a question. With the major secondary issues that they have, do we need to sign a cornerback? Who should it be? Well, it's been confirmed by Bruce Arians himself that they have reached out to Richard Sherman. Do I like the fit here? Yes, I do. Why? Because of Tom Brady. They brought in the unrestful Antonio Brown, and it's paid off dividends for them. And to me, this would be even better. 
because it's a young secondary. Carlton Davis is young. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting's young. They're both injured. So you have Jamel Dean, who's young as well. Ross Cockrell. So Sherman would be by far the oldest member of that secondary. He's a good tackler. I think he'd fit in well with the scheme of Todd Bowles. And guess what? Another kind of project where he's had legal concerns and issues kind of off the field, but you can't deny his talent. And I think he can still help you out given, uh, you know, his age and what the Bucks are looking for. I love this. Uh, and I would love for the Buccaneers to sign Richard Sherman moving forward. I think it would help this team even with Sean Murphy bunting and Carlton Davis coming back whenever they may. There's Carlton Davis in three weeks, Sean Murphy bunting in six weeks. You have that in place and he can still help them when they come back as sort of as a mentor. And of course, he wouldn't have to play as many snaps when they come back. So I do like that for the Buccaneers. That's the only concern I have for them. What else was noteworthy around the league? Well, Joe Burrow was noteworthy because this was a close game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears up 20. Uh, well, Chicago Bears won 20 to 17, but they were up uh, 10 to 3. And Joe Burrow decided to go on an interception spree and throw three straight interceptions on three straight passes. The first interception was a pick six. So that made it 17 to 3. The second was just a bad throw as well, another one. And uh, the defense held. The other one was, you know, deep in their own territory, Cincinnati. Uh, pass deflected. Another interception got a field goal. They were down 20 to 3. Then they kind of had to come back. But Joe Burrow cannot throw for three interceptions in a game. He just can't. That kind of threw off everything for the Bengals. And moving forward, he has to take better care of the football. Can't be doing that. Still like the connection to Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. But three interceptions on three straight passes is demoralizing. And I'll talk more about the demoralizing fact of interceptions in just a bit. But also in that game... Justin Fields took over. Andy Dalton was injured, and we got to see Justin Fields. Andy Dalton took a scramble outside, and it didn't look good, but Justin Fields didn't look much better in the game. Went 6 of 13, had an interception, took a couple sacks. Definitely didn't look as good as Andy Dalton before then. They were kind of rolling with him, 9 for 11 and a touchdown. I really liked how Andy Dalton looked this game. And as I said on the record, last week I was fine with how he looked in Sunday Night Football as well. Justin Fields, however, did not look good. I can see now why they did not want to start Justin Fields. Now this just might be an overreaction that this is, you know, his first meaningful snaps that he had where they weren't kind of designed two or three plays just for him in the game like last week. But he did struggle against this team and now you're looking forward uh, to kind of their next few games uh, with Justin Fields at quarterback next week they play at Cleveland that would be a tough game for Justin Fields they play uh, the Lions which will be easy after that but then they have a string of tough games against teams like the Raiders the Packers the Buccaneers the 49ers the Steelers the Ravens the Cardinals I mean that is I don't forget how many games I just named there, but that's a tough seven-game stretch or whatever it is uh, that they have to play. They have a very tough schedule, and the Bears' biggest question mark is always going to be at quarterback, so Justin Fields does have to get better. I think if this is a long-term injury and you're truly you're truly not comfortable with how Justin Fields look, you analyze getting Nick Foles in there. But I think Nick or Justin Fields will be better moving forward. I will not overreact to this performance right here. The Browns and Texans. The Browns kept it close. Uh, 
or the Texans, I'm my bad, the Texans kept it close. Uh, they were tied at 14 apiece. Then the after that, kind of took the lead for good up 24 to 14, 24 21, and finished it off 31 uh, to 21. So I'm glad the Browns won this game. You know, nothing like keeping it scary, but maybe Tyrod Taylor isn't that bad uh, as well. You know, or Davis Mills. Be interesting to see that quarterback tandem moving forward. The Los Angeles Rams in the Indianapolis Colts. The Los Angeles Rams wanted to keep it close, uh, taking a 17 to 6 lead. Then they let Indianapolis take it up 21 to 17, then tied at 24 apiece before essentially the game winning field goal with around two minutes left for Indianapolis. Again, Matthew Stafford looked good this week. To me, he faced a better defense in the Colts than he was last week. It was an away challenge uh, through an interception. Couldn't really get the running game open, so it was all Matthew Stafford. But this was a good, resilient win for this team. And the bigger story, however, is Carson Wentz and his injury. Jacob Eason had to come on. For an injured Wentz. So you're the Colts. You're down 0-2. And now you're turning to Jacob Eason because of an injured Carson Wentz. You're facing the Titans next week at Tennessee. The reigning NFC South, AFC South champions. You have the Dolphins. Of course, no them. But then you face Ravens, 49ers, Titans again. How do you look at the quarterback position? How will Jacob Easton fare? You're already 0-2. Next few games, you know, you could easily be 2-8 at this point in the season. So, this is huge for the Colts to try to get back on track next week. I don't know if they do it, but is Jacob Easton the guy? Bills and Dolphins. I thought Buffalo would be angry after how they kind of gave up that game against Pittsburgh last week. And it did kind of show. They shut out Miami 35-0. to Stephon Diggs, Most, Xavier Howard, who I talked about as one of the top three cornerback. But Stephon Diggs is just a better wide receiver than Xavier Howard is at cornerback. And he had a great game. Great catch, Josh Allen. A little quiet, but they wanted to get the running game open more, and they did uh, with Devin Zingletary, Josh Allen on his legs. And, you know, they had 143 rushing yards to 171 passing yards. So that what is the game plan for them is to be more balanced. And it showed definitely makes a team more dangerous when you're effectively balancing the ball on both passing and rushing. But the bigger concern is Tua Tagovailoa, who was injured, hurt his ribs, and got carted off. Jacoby Brissett had to come in and finish out the game, and again, didn't look good. Uh, they say he's day-to-day with a rib injury, escaped a big one, uh, which is good because he's had, you know, injuries in his past with some of those hits, you know, dislocated his hip. The final year of Alabama. You know, he's a tough guy. I'm glad that it's nothing serious. But just with this team in general, I don't know how far they go with Tua at quarterback. It's just, I don't see it. That's no shame on Tua. I just don't. Patriots and Jets. Patriots wipe the floor with the New York Jets as we're accustomed to seeing. 25-6, to six. Mac Jones looked like the better rookie quarterback than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, four interceptions, forcing the ball uh, down the field where he shouldn't have, should have made the safer plays, safer throws, again, trying to be a hero, and he shouldn't. And that is what the Jets want to stress with Zach Wilson, is not to be the hero, but this defense didn't look good either. Damian Harris... Went vintage beast mode in a 26-yard touchdown run where he would not be tackled, not be denied as he made it to the end zone. It was a great run. To me, was reminiscent of a Marshawn Lynch 
uh, type of run, and the Patriots were clearly the better team than the Jets and are still the better team than the Jets. Zach Wilson just needs to do a better job taking care of the football moving forward. 49ers and Eagles. Close one I wanted to see if Jalen Hurts was a man, and I thought he wasn't. And to me, didn't look that impressive uh, like last week. A lot of hype. Did really good on his legs. I will give him that. That dual threat makes it hard. Uh, but this defense was good. Nick Bosa uh, was good. Jimmy Garoppolo was efficient. And uh, the San Francisco 49er team got it done. Pulled out a close one, 17-11. But good for them moving forward. They had a huge block field goal attempt. Uh, one thing, though, is 49ers injury to running backs. Uh, it's just unfortunate that, you know, they have Raheem Mostert down, then Elijah Mitchell, uh, Nadja Michael Hasty, ankle injury, Trey Sermon, concussion. So it's like, after how many times, how many more running backs are going to come in and do this? This is very concerning for a team like the 49ers, who were vying in this NFC West division, which is very tough, but you do need a running game in this division uh, to help you out. But again, Jalen Hurts not looking as impressive. How will he continue to look in the next few weeks, especially next week, Monday Night Football, Eagles-Cowboys. We're going to see in this divisional matchup, Eagles really for real with Jalen Hurts or not? That's when I'll make you know a big verdict on Jalen Hurts after that Monday night football game. Raiders and Steelers, they are both 1-0. Both teams that were surprising who I thought would be 0-1. But we were going to see who's really more of a pretender in this one. And it was the Steelers. And I thought the Vegas was more of a pretender. But I thought wrong. Derek Carr was great again, 382 yards, uh, two touchdowns. He was brilliant. Great throws to Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro's just his safety net. They looked good. They looked like a more two, real 2-0 two team. And I'm concerned about the Steelers' offense. I am. Najee Harris really can't get it going. And the rushing game, 10 carries, 38 yards. That ain't going to cut it. Uh, and I knew this offensive line was reworked. I said he's going to have a tough time uh, breaking holes, finding ways uh, to run like he did in Alabama because of this offensive line. And it's shown Ben Roethlisberger with a big interception as well. He hasn't been that efficient either. This defense took a huge hit when T.J. Watt came out with a groin injury. And... I got just got to give credit for Vegas because they played better at Heinz Field, where it's a tough place to play. A lot of crazy fans with the terrible towel out, and Las Vegas gets it done. Now, are we saying that Las Vegas is for real? Are we saying that John Gruden has worked it out? He's reached a time in his time with the Raiders again where they're back? I don't know. We'll find out, but with the way they're trending, the tiebreaker over Las Vegas and, you know, some other things like how poorly this AFC South division looks, uh, you just never know. But this AFC West is tough, and I'll talk about more in just a second. But first, again, another pretender who I was not buying the hype for was Jameis Winston. A week after throwing just 150 yards, five touchdowns, what did he do this week? Stunk up a joint. 111 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. Is this the real Jameis Winston? I think so. When he's your leading rusher at 19 yards, that's a problem. You've got Alvin Kamara. Eight carries, five yards, that's it? Uh... You got to do better than Matt Kamara. This offensive line's got to do better. This team has got to do better. 
Christian McCaffrey looking like the best dual threat in the game right now, passing and rushing. They took it to the Saints. Jameis Winston, he's got to figure it out. Tough stretch in this game. Again, like Patrick Mahomes tried to throw kind of his desperation uh, throw and it was picked off. Don't like it, especially Jameis Winston throwing it. Uh, your leading receiver, 27 yards. This was just all out bad from the Saints. They've got to get it fixed. Don't think the Saints are going anywhere. Then again, before the year stage started, I wasn't picking them to go anywhere. But the Panthers, they're 2-0. You know, congratulations to them for a 2-0 start. But it ain't going to last. They're not making the playoffs. I'm not buying into any Carolina Panthers hype with Sam Darnold whatsoever. Broncos-Jaguars. Broncos won again. 2-0. In the AFC West, you have the Broncos and Raiders tied for the AFC West division lead after two weeks end. The Chiefs already have a loss. They're first in September, by the way, with Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes throwing his first interception in September as well. And Justin Herbert and the Chargers lost yesterday. So 1-1. One and one. Can you believe I thought it would be flipped the other way that the Chiefs and the Chargers were the best teams in the division? But again, only two weeks of a Broncos defense looks really good. And Teddy Bridgewater is looking to me more of a tad above a game manager in really helping his team out. And like I said, the Cowboys beat the Chargers. Uh, Mike McCarthy, what a terrible coach and the way he kind of managed that win at all. So I'm not sold on the Chargers. I'm not sold on the Cowboys. I do think they're in an easy division. Uh, but that was a tough one. They had to eke out against the Chargers. It was basically a home game for the Cowboys. But Justin Herbert... Two interceptions, one in the red zone. You cannot do that. That will not have you win football games. Don't be doing that. Then two more games. One, the Cardinals and Vikings. This game I actually happened to attend, and this game was brilliant. Kyler Murray, MVP form, a short of his two interceptions. Uh, 77-yard pass to Rondale Moore. I believe it had like 50 yards of air time uh, or 50 yards in the air. And Rondale Moore took it to the house. This offense uh, looks good. But R- Kyler Murray, to open up half, second half, threw a pick six. And when I talk about, you know, when Joe Burrow threw three interceptions, it is demoralizing. You see the energy on the sideline take a hit. The energy in the crowd take a hit. We were rocking at 120 decibels, and it was silent after that. It just totally sucks the life out of everyone in there. But they got the win, and Minnesota missed the game-winning field goal. Uh, I believe it was like 40 yards out, maybe less, 38, and he missed it, pushed it to the right, and the Vikings could have won last week. They could have won this week. They easily could have been a 2-0 team and just on the wrong side. And they're 0-2. Huge loss for Minnesota considering what happens next. But Arizona needed this win considering how tough the NFC West is. And they got it. Titan Seahawks. King Henry, after being contained by the Cardinals last week, took it upon himself to carry the Titans against the Seahawks. They were up 24 to 9 at halftime. Uh, the Seahawks, they were 52 and 0 when leading by 15 plus points at home. Uh, they looked great. The crowd was into it. This pass rush was getting after Tannehill. Uh, they were looking good and an epic second half collapse. Uh, you know, they were up 24 to 9 and then at one point 30. To 16. Then you let Derrick Henry break a 60 yard run for a touchdown, was involved in a passing game, and it was over. Uh, truck after truck, they had no answer for Derrick Henry, who rushed for 182 yards and three 
touchdowns. And then these defensive backs got burned as well. Julio Jones, 128 yards. I said Derrick Henry got his as well. Tannehill threw for 347 yards. They had 532 yards of offense. This was my main concern uh, with the Seahawks this year was their defense. I said, I like their pass rush. They have depth there. But other than that, this defensive backfield is not good, and it was on display. Julio Jones got after him. Trey Flowers, not good. I've never liked him. Jamal Adams can't cover as well. Had a costly penalty and uh, overtime. So, nope. This defense needs help. Uh, did not look good yesterday in the gashing. They cannot allow 530 yards to them. And it's pivotal because you're in the NFC West. Every other team won the 49ers, the Cardinals, and the Rams. You cannot lose this game where you're up by 15 points. That hurts because now you're facing a tough stretch moving forward where you're playing divisional opponents and tough teams with good defenses. This was one Seattle would like to have back. Russell Wilson cannot be too happy with his defense and then stalling on offense as well. And then it could have, should have been safety in overtime, and that was not called uh, due to some weird rule. But this is uh, big for the Seahawks moving forward. To me, it highlighted concerns that I thought have always been there and what will hold the Seahawks back this past year. Now tonight is Monday Night Football. Lions and the Packers. And I want to be very clear. I'm picking the Packers to win here. Didn't have much faith in the Packers, especially after how bad they looked last week. But come on, the Lions, who I think are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Aaron Rodgers is relaxed at its home. It's a Monday night. I think he's won seven straight uh, as well. Uh, Lambeau Field will be rocking and I think they get the win tonight. Do I think it will be the prettiest win? No. Do I think Aaron Rodgers has a vintage performance where he throws for over 400 yards and four touchdowns? No, I don't. This team has very serious issues on both sides of the ball. But I just don't think the Detroit Lions are a good enough team uh, to expose them for what they are. So I think they'll get the win. I'll handle their business. I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, looking at his leadership as well, looking at this Packers defense as well, because last week they struggled with the Saints. This is a lowly team in the Lions. Do they struggle at all, or is this a confident victory uh, for them? Because moving ahead, they have a tough schedule as well. We're facing a couple good defenses away uh, from home, and that could spell some trouble. Uh, for Green Bay. So I'm concerned about that. But no, I think Aaron Rodgers will get it done. Really have nothing to talk about of the Lions because not a fan of Dan Campbell or any players on this team. They're 11 and a half point favorites. Uh, we'll see if they cover that tonight. I'm going to say that they do cover it. I believe they'll win by 14 points. I just don't think the Lions have it in them. Now moving on to college football. I made 10 picks last week. I was 7-3. and three. Briefly going through them, picked UCF to beat Louisville. Was wrong on that one. Why? Well, pick 6 with 13 seconds left. That does you win. USC had a great game plan. Could have won the game. But a pick 6 uh, when you're in field goal range, just run the football. That... Didn't do it. Nebraska, Oklahoma picked Oklahoma to slaughter Nebraska, and that did not happen. It was a close game, won by a touchdown, but play of the year, interception, climbed the ladder. Oklahoma had Spencer Radler in awe. Tremendous win by Oklahoma just to get a win, uh, but to me, it kind of played like a loss because they were not poised at all. Cincinnati, Indiana picked Cincinnati, and they got the win. Uh, they were down early, but this is a resilient team. Michael Penix Jr., again, 
threw key interceptions down the stretch and it finished up with three interceptions. You cannot do that. They were all bad interceptions. Uh, fumble near the goal line turnovers killed this team, but it helped out the Bearcats as well. Come up, you know, come from behind and win 38 to 24. Virginia Tech and West Virginia picked Virginia Tech, but West Virginia got the win 27 21. Uh, the crowd was great that game, but Virginia Tech fought back when they were down, you know, 27 uh, to 7, I believe. And they came back, made it 27 21, had another interception right there near the goal line at like the three yard line. And they couldn't punch it in on any four of their plays. How shameful of Virginia Tech uh, to do that. That's something they cannot do. Michigan State, Miami picked Michigan State because Miami's just played close games uh, with bad teams. And it worked. Michigan State got a huge win in Miami, disrupted De'Eric King, had two interceptions, was hobbled there at the end, and this Michigan State team looked much better. Purdue-Notre Dame. Uh, Pick Notre Dame, but Notre Dame did look sloppy in a game that they won by two touchdowns. Uh, they were up 17 to 13 and kind of pulled away in the fourth quarter. But again, don't have a lot of faith in Jack Cohen at quarterback. They have a big game next week at game day against Wisconsin. Alabama, Florida, to me, I wasn't surprised by this. A lot of people were surprised. I said on my last podcast that I expect Florida. To play it close, because it's in Florida, they have the fans, it was close last time, and that's going to be the difference maker. I think I said within six points, I think this game would be, and Alabama won by two points. Key reason being is because Florida missed an extra point. If they don't miss an extra point, they don't go for two at the end. They just kick the extra point, and we might be looking at overtime. The Swamp is a tough place to play. They had a 21-3 lead. And they just sat on it and allowed Florida to come back in this game and get within five points at 21 to 16. Then they get 28 to 23 and 31 uh, to 29. This, uh, to me, not a big win for Alabama because uh, it exposed exposed clear flaws in this team. Uh, 11 penalties, 81 yards, that cannot happen. Uh, they rushed for 245 yards on you. They outgained you by 100, 440 to 331. You only rushed for 91. You couldn't get it going. Florida stopped you, and you had to rely on Bryce Young. We look at Alabama's past where they've had the Najee Harris, the Derrick Henry, the Mark Ingram, the TJ Yeldon. I don't think they have a running back like that this year. And with a young quarterback like Bryce Young, this could hurt them. But this is a big test out of the way. Uh, for them, to me, they're, they don't have a lot more test now. I think they play Ole Miss in a couple weeks. That'll be tough because that's just a whole different game in terms of the passing attack that they're bringing, better defense. Uh, but no, Florida wants a reshot. But to get that shot again, October 30th, they play Georgia. They will have to win that game if they want a rematch. And again, they also play Texas A&M. So, them, so Ellis, or Alabama has two tough games back-to-back in Ole Miss and then Texas A&M. Not sold yet on Arkansas at all or Auburn after this loss that he just had. South Carolina and Georgia. Georgia wiped the floor. Auburn, Penn State. Penn State got the win. Crazy whiteout game. Uh, they held on to win. Sean Clifford Looked like the better quarterback over Bo Nix. Uh, Jahan Dotson, tremendous, tremendous wide out uh, as well. 10 receptions, 78 yards. His route running is great. But the connection between him and Sean Clifford is there. Auburn should have got the running game going early. Tank Bigsby, great in the second half. Should have had more of that in the first half. But the officiating of this game was terrible. Looked like a true SEC crew calling the game for Auburn. Uh, where Penn State punted on third down because they were told it was a fourth down. I don't like that at all. Uh, but Penn State 
still got the win in a big primetime college game day game. That is great for their resume moving forward. Then lastly, my last loss of the day was ASU, BYU. I picked ASU uh, to win, and it was just not it. Jalen Dan, Daniels, two interceptions, no touchdowns. That is the key there. Those turnovers, they fought back uh, to make it 21-17, to but they cannot overcome uh, turnovers and penalties. 121 yards of penalties, 16 of them. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't expect to win games and do it. Yes, you had more yards than them, uh, more rushing yards, more passing yards. Uh, could say you were a better team, but you were not the more disciplined team. The penalties hurts and the turnovers hurt. Four of them. You will not win games like that. Now, moving forward, uh, my reaction to the new AP poll. What changed? Well, Oregon and Oklahoma swapped. Oregon's now three, Oklahoma four. I am fine with that uh, because Oklahoma did not look good in a win against Nebraska where he should have looked a lot better. Spencer Radler is regressing. Heisman candidate might not be no more. Penn State moved up four spots. I am fine with that because a big win against Auburn uh, as well. Clemson dropped because they look scary against Virginia Tech or against Georgia Tech. This offense doesn't look good. Doesn't look like a Clemson team of old. Don't think they will be making the playoffs this year. Even if they went out 11-1, and they would have to do a major turnaround for that to happen. Another big mover uh, are the state of Michigan. Michigan moved up six spots from 25 to 19. ESPN FPI is all over them. Pro Football Focus is all over them. And I want to pump the brakes because I'm a guy who said Michigan's be the fourth best team in the country. They're going to make the playoff. I said, look out. I love this running game. Think Cade's going to be a great game manager. Defense will be revitalized. Now everybody's buying into it. Let's pump the brakes. And remember, this is a Michigan team you didn't like. Watch him Harbaugh fire. Uh, revert back to that, please, so that my team can keep on winning. Michigan State moved up from not being ranked at all to 20, one behind Michigan. think that's great for them. A lot of key wins and big wins as well. Very convincing, so I have no problem with that. But who's my top five? One is Alabama. You know what? Until you dethrone them, they're still number one. They could look shaky, but them shaky is still better than a lot of other teams out there. Two is Georgia. Look great defensively, but to me, I want a real answer at quarterback. Is it JT Daniels? Is it Stetson Bennett? I want one guy out there the whole time uh, gunslinging it. Number three is Oregon. Another win a week after. uh, Big win against uh, Ohio State. Wasn't a letdown at all. Didn't play it close. Uh, Went out and demolished your opponent, which was needed. Number four, Iowa, one of only team that's beat two ranked opponents uh, so far. Convincing win over Kent State. They look really good. And number five, Penn State. Already have beaten Wisconsin. Now they beat Auburn again. Join Iowa as a team uh, with two ranked victories so far in three games. Big win for Penn State. Those are my top five teams. Penn State, Iowa, Oregon, Georgia, Alabama. So, we're going there. Of course, people are predicting Michigan now to make the playoff. Let's not get it twisted. As I said, you were not on the bandwagon before. Let's not just bring it up to then bring them down. Michigan cannot buy in to this noise at all. Now, just some other news to wrap this up. Arizona Coyotes NHL team are bringing back the Kachina as their primary logo on both the home and away jerseys. It was just used to be the alternate jersey, but now it's officially back. That logo was one of the greatest in Arizona sports history. Uh, it is an iconic logo. I love it. I'm glad the Kachina back. It's retro Arizona uh, in which you know they were a better team 20 years ago. With it coming in, and I think uh, 
just having this back better for the sports fans around there if it's voted, you know, most popular jersey in Arizona sports history. I think it's good to bring it back just in terms of a marketing perspective. And then last but not least, the New York Yankees are done. Last month, I predicted they would not make the playoffs. Then they went on a 13-game winning streak, and I thought I'd have to choke on my own words, but they are back to the other Yankees just every other game before that 13-game winning streak. This team doesn't look good, but pitching, the hitting, it's discombobulated. Aaron Boone's a chump. I mean, this is great. They're a game and a half back of Toronto uh, as well, two and a half games back of Boston. Just lost a series against the Indians or the Guardians or whatever, Cleveland. And they're not good. Now they have a series against the Rangers, uh, Texas Rangers. And they already used Garrett Cole yesterday. He didn't look good. Uh, now this series with the Rangers, you have some of your other pitchers. So this, is again, is huge uh, for the Yankees. Uh, but... After this, you play Boston, you play Toronto, you play Tampa. So you you have to win these three games. Again, I want them to lose out because I want the Yankees to fire Aaron Boone. I can tell that he's now playing uh, for his job because he's redoing the pitching staff uh, to have um, Garrett Cole kind of pitch out the first game against the Red Sox. So he play against the Red Sox, play against the Blue Jays play against the Rays each in one game, and then be there for the wild card spot. So they're counting on him for three more times to get three wins, but that's only three wins, and he hasn't really looked good. So who knows now, but I'm happy the Yankees are losing. Can't believe I'm saying that. Happy I made the bet on Tampa because I'm going to win that, and the Yankees are just terrible And I will put all of that on Aaron Boone because we have the talent. When you manage it right, you could win games, as was seen with Joe Girardi, as was seen throughout win streaks and times with Aaron Boone. But he's more of a bad manager than a good manager. And sometimes his players just bail him out because he has a tremendous amount of talent on his team. Again, I just get rid of a lot of players because some, uh, like Glaber Torres, makes too many errors. Same with Gary Sanchez. Joey Gallo is very inconsistent and is, to me, a more of a strikeout artist than an on-base god. Uh, and other players as well that they're banking on but haven't worked out, but Clint Frazier's, but Miguel Andujar's, uh, the Luke Voigt, get rid of him too. I mean, Yankees have a lot of questions and moves going on, but... I still like the Yankees. But again, tonight, Monday Night Football, Detroit-Green Bay, rolling with Green Bay. Anybody out there going to pick the Lions? Seriously? This has been Get Your Goat. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.